0: Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Hebrews tells us Jesus Christ is what the same went yesterday, today, and forever. I'm thankful to serve a faithful God who is constantly, always faithful. Church family, thank you. For your faithfulness and obedience to God. Uh, We're going to have to go to heaven to hear all the testimonies of who we've blessed. Amen? We'll have to go to heaven for these folks to come up and say, You don't know me, but you fed me. You don't know, but I was praying, and you sent, and God responded, and we're thankful for that today. Isaiah 58. This is where we've received our our direction from God on the chosen fast. We 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 have just opened up this narrative. We have dug in deeply to his word. and I want to go to these final two verses. And uh, I'm going to give you a little explanation and some background so that we can really catch the heart of this. Do you remember that when Isaiah 58 began, God's charge against Israel was what? You're just going through the motions. And he said, your worship is unacceptable unless it comes from your heart. And so he says, this is the kind of fast I will choose. And we said, Lord, if that's what you've chosen, we choose to say amen. And so we come to these final two verses. And I want to read them for you. Beginning in verse 13. <clears throat> Pardon me. Isaiah 58. Now, again, you're going to find two times th- th- throughout this uh, chapter, as I've really studied, I find these conditional words. Someone say conditional. Many, many blessings are conditional upon our Obedience. How many understand that? So we're about to read in verse 13 the word if, twice, and then in verse 14 the word then. So there is a conditional word and a timing word, okay? So we need to understand those are important to us. So let's look at this. Uh, I, and, and Isaiah 58, 13. If you keep your feet, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. Now, we need to understand. I'll explain that. I'll give you a little background. How do we relate to the term and the concept of Sabbath today. So just stay with me. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if there it is again, you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable. I said two. I missed it. it It's three. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking out of words, okay? Three conditions. We come to verse 14. Then, see, following those things as a result of the choices we make, then, you ready? You will find your joy in the Lord. Come on, that's good. Have we ever had a more grumpy culture than right now? I, let me stick to my knitting right here. I have never seen so many gripey people in all my life. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is the largest conglomeration of discontented, unhappy, critical, judgmental, poor me, things are bad, you're bad, everybody's bad, mama's bad, daddy's bad, everyone's bad. It is the biggest consortium of unhappy, discontented, depressed people I've ever seen in my life just by the way. But the Bible says, come on, I can have my joy in the Lord. My joy in the Lord. Do you know there's a joy you have in the Lord the world can't give you? Come on, I feel like singing that old song. The world didn't give it to me. Help me, saints. And the world can't take it away. I'm going to say it again. Come on, let's go over on this side. The world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. See, happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness, I've got to have my circumstances right. But joy, i just got to have Jesus right. See, I, you can have joy in the storm. You can have joy in the middle of the crisis. You can have joy when everyone just left and shut the door. See, joy, i got to say it again. The world didn't give it to me, and the world... Can't take it away. Okay, so come on. I'm not preaching. I'm just thinking right now. So then you'll find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land. I'm going to lift you, he said. We need to understand a couple of concepts in these two verses that we might miss, okay? He says, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. And I like this. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Take it to the bank. It's settled. It's done. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So so let's look at this. What do we do in the New Testament, believers? New covenant, when we read something like this in the Old Covenant, a term, let's go back to verse 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words. Let me, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I am not Mr. Know-It-All. <laughs> I'm a learner. How many are still learners? I see myself more as a student than a teacher. I, I, I'm constantly learning, striving, reaching, growing, studying, praying uh, to become more like Christ, to know Him better, to understand this word, to teach you more accurately and with light. But but you, you learn some things, and oftentimes the term Sabbath is misapplied to Sunday. Sunday's not the Sabbath. How many heard what I just said? So you're saying, well, why are we here? Well, just hold on. I'm going to tell you. Okay, don't get up. Just stay put. Don't microwave me, crockpot me today. Okay, give me a little help. Don't microwave me. I'm asking for a crockpot message today. I didn't say crackpot. I said crockpot. Okay. Work with me. So why are we here? Here's the Sabbath. We see some, 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 some weight put on this by God. So what are we doing? Where are we? The origin of the Sabbath comes from creation itself. I don't have time to take you through the entire litany of Scripture in the Old Testament. Let me give you a little bird's eye view. The origin of the term and the, and, and the practice of the Sabbath is from creation. The Bible says that uh, for six days God created the universe, Right? And on the seventh day, he rested. Interestingly enough, the the Hebrew meaning of that word is multi-layered. It's not rested in the sense he was worn out. That's kind of how we know rest, okay? Because we're all worn out all the time. (laughs) Because we don't understand what Sabbath means. But let me go on. So it, it doesn't mean God was tired, it, it more accurately would mean that God had completed what he started. In other words, he ceased. There was a cessation of the act of creation. He was complete. He said, this is very good. This is what I wanted to do. And so he ceased. Not only is there a layer of completion and cessation of this task, There is rest. You you receive rest at the end of the work. Now, some folks, that's another sermon too, isn't it? Some people I know retired before they ever started their job. We got some folks that, anyway. uh, But it also carries the layer not only of completion, finalization of the task, but there's the term celebration. Don't you love that? With with this seventh day, the word chosen by the Holy Spirit to describe what God did on the seventh day is that he had completed everything on day six. And at that moment, all was well. And he stopped that task and celebrated what he had done. It was a pause to rest, celebrate, and to see what had been done and prepare what was about to happen. Are you with me? So we then go on in under the law, the Old Covenant that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And in the Old Covenant, they they would observe a Sabbath. In the Old Covenant, Sabbath on the Jewish lunar calendar would begin at sundown Friday and go to sundown Saturday, right? And so on that day, what did they do? It was a day, first and foremost, for them to honor God. Everything stopped. We finished our six days of labor this week. By the way, all the folks that want you to worship on the Sabbath and on Saturday, I don't know any of them that's working six days a week. But anyway, let me go on. So, so you see, he, it was a day to honor God. God, you come first today. It was a reminder. Every week, everything we have is God's. What I completed, I'm stopping and honoring God. And I'm celebrating Him for His goodness. Everybody with me? It was their day to worship God. Now, we understand Jesus comes and and we are under what's called the New Covenant. The Bible says it is a better covenant. When Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected bodily from the grave three days later, everything the Old Testament law had given, which was just pointing to him, was fulfilled. In worshiping Christ, the law and all of its regulation and ritual was fulfilled. We come to God now through Jesus Christ, not animal sacrifices, not through a priest, but direct access to God through Jesus Christ. How many are thankful you're in the better covenant today? How many are thankful you didn't pull a lamb out of your trunk when you got here today to come bring something in and be right before God? How many know I'm happy today? I'm not cutting sheep necks this morning and sprinkling blood everywhere. But those were types or symbols. The Bible says as a school teacher, they were the word of God. Valid and important, holy and to be obeyed. Until that which they prophesied came to pass. Every lamb, every goat, every bull ever offered to God was pointing to Jesus. Jesus the blood over the doorposts of the homes in Egypt when they when the when the judgment passed over and freedom came was pointing to Jesus do you understand and so Jesus did not do away with the law he fulfilled the law it no longer is necessary because the new and the greater and the better covenant has come so we're not worshiping on Saturday because we're not Under the Old Testament, listen to what I'm about to tell you, in the New Covenant, you can worship every day. In the New Covenant, listen to me, there is not a day holier than any other day. Now that's risky for a pastor to tell you that on a Sunday, but it's true. So why do we worship on Sunday? I'm glad you asked that. As you begin to read the New Testament, on the day Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a Sunday. The first day of the week. It was the feast of first fruits. It was a prophetic beginning of a new era a new covenant. His blood had been shed. It had been presented to the Father in heaven. It had been received as acceptable. We were now able to not only be forgiven, but transformed. Sins erased. And on the first day of the week, triumphantly conquering, come on with me, death, hell, and the grave, Jesus was raised from the dead. The next time he appeared to the disciples, was seven days later on the same day, and then the next time on the same day, and the church began to worship him on Resurrection Day, the first day of the week. They were no longer under the ritual and the guideline and the law, they were in a better covenant. So we worship on Sunday, following that, that, that order that began to be there. But, but we're, we're, we're looking at this. I did pretty good, it took you the Old Testament in five minutes. So, we're looking at this. So, how does this apply to us today? What's the biblical principle? Just to make sure, because there is some debate, let me, let me give you two or three scriptures here of why we no longer look at the term Sabbath the way it was under the law. Okay, look, look at Colossians 2, verse 13. Turn there, or, or you get it here. I hope you have your Bible and you can get around in it. Come on, are you still familiar with the Bible? Uh, I hope so. I, I tell you, you know, I, I just, this thing's my, this is my buddy here. And, and, and again, I don't want a new Bible. I love you. all give it away. This is kind of dog beat. <laughs> it, it's, but you know, I've beat a lot of devils down with this. I've been in a lot of battles with this. I pulled this sword out and fought in the midnight hour, (laughs) walked through hell and back. Come on, anybody understand? I I got verses memorized and underlined and dates on it. When I read it, I'm just like, my, remember that. Look what the Lord has done. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, I like to put my hand on it. I like to touch it. I like to read it. I like to write. Okay, anyway. So uh, let's look at this. However you want to find it, the word's the word. Amen? So look at Colossians. What about the Sabbath and where I am right now? Let me hurry on. I want you to see a couple of things. <clears throat> Colossians 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. You see, begins to apply the Old Testament ritual to the New Testament reality. The sign of covenant in the Old Testament for all the Hebrew men was circumcision. And notice what he says. He, he said, we're moving from ritual and flesh to spirit now. Are you with me? So he says, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, right? God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Come on, how many say thank God for that? Watch this. Having canceled the written code with its regulations. You see that? He fulfilled it. We no longer follow. Let's keep reading. That was against us. That stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Are you with me? And having disarmed the powers. Come on, church. (laughs) And authorities. He made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them by the cross. Verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or Sabbath day. You're not judged by that anymore. You're not required to follow that anymore. That's not why we do what we do anymore. Everybody with me? Okay. So, for the sake of time, I have some more verses, but I'm just going to move on down the road. Okay. So we see in the New Testament, Sabbath is not a day. It's a concept. It's a principle. What do we learn? What do we glean from this? What what applies to us in this chosen fast? So, So let's look at these verses, verse 13 and 14 of Isaiah 58. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. The Sabbath is what? The Sabbath is honoring God. It is recognizing Him, celebrating Him, marking His presence in your life. It is a a time. It is a place. I could read from Hebrews 4, and we find out, listen to me, really, the the Sabbath, the rest we have in the New Testament is in Christ. He is our Sabbath. If you're a believer, you're on Sabbath every day. If you're a believer, you're resting in Him because we are saved by what? Grace and not by works. And so our rest, our celebration, our worship, our confidence is what? Is that Christ is our Redeemer. Come on. Jesus paid the price. He is my way to the Father. And so we literally live in a grace, a mercy, a rest, a worship, a continual praising and walking in the presence of God. Our faith is not a one-day-a-week faith, right? It's not just when people are around us, faith. It's not just when I'm in trouble, faith. It's not just being a CEO, Christmas and Easter only, worshiper. It's not just in those moments. It's who I am day in and day out. Anybody with It's my life. So how do I apply Sabbath in the New Testament? Well, what's the point here? When we, when we look at this, if, if we apply it today, it's what the whole chapter 58 is saying. It's not the outer ritual. It's what's going on in your heart. All right, all right. So, so what would we bring from this? So he says, if, if, if I'm a follower of Christ, if I have been given rest and acceptance in his presence. then, what am I doing? He says, I should honor, there should be honor, and there should be what? There should be delight. There should be delight. So, So let me help us a minute with that, all right? So what would be the parallel of the Old Testament Sabbath gathering? The parallel of that would be our Sunday gathering of worship in the New Testament. Now, again, I'm telling you, every day told holy. But there's something about honoring God. There's something that parallels this. Not because we have to. Are you with me? Because we delight to. Somebody will always tell you, well, you know, I'm not into organized religion. Well, I sure am into honoring God, though. You know, I, I, I don't need that. Well, you know, you know I, I didn't know it was all about me. You know, that's not necessary for me. Well, it might be necessary for somebody you need to help. It might be necessary for me to delight in what honors God. I might have to back up a moment and say it doesn't begin and end with me. It begins and ends with what's honoring and delightful to God. So that's our parallel. We honor God first. See, so we come on Sunday. Honor means to put him first. Let me help us a little bit, all right? Let me let me give us a perspective I think we have. What, what happens... When we gather to worship Him. This is just, I'm I'm moving to something else. But I want to help you on the way. Okay? What happens? We we do what we should do. In other words, the concept of Sabbath honoring God. Resting. There should be a rest when you come in this house. We've been living in this ungodly culture. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? We've been battling the spirit of Antichrist. We are inundated with perversion. We we are trying to raise our children in an atmosphere that bombards them with every ungodly, false concept you can imagine. We turn on the television and it's ridiculous. We go to social media and it's disconcerting. We, We live in a constant swim upstream. We're not martyrs. We're overcomers. How many hear what I'm saying? But there has to be a time in your life where you step out of that atmosphere and you wrap yourself in the presence of God and you walk into a place where you're not going to hear anything rated X, R, or PG. You're going to come in here and get G-rated. God, 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 God. You're going to walk in here and your spirit is going to be lifted. The word is going to be preached. Worship is going to be given. You're going to be lifted up. You don't have to fight. You receive. You don't have to push. You just get pulled along. You come. There has to be a place where you go find rest. Where your children hear something they haven't heard anywhere else. Where our students come in and they're encouraged to live a pure, holy, godly life. Wait on the Lord. Put God first. Find the will of God. Where we come back and we get our focus and our compass back on center. How many know what I'm talking about? There's something about finding a rest from the culture, a rest from what's going on around us and we come and we celebrate the goodness of God. You know, we, we need to understand that there should be uh, uh, important uh, purpose in our life that makes a statement about our faith. Amen. Amen. Your children ought to know That gathering to worship and honoring God is important to you. Come on, don't shout me down. They need to know on Sunday morning we're going to get up. We're going to get up. We're going to get get dressed. We're going to go to church. We're going to worship God. You need to make a statement to your family. You need to make a statement to your neighbors. They need to be out walking the dog on Sunday morning. They need to be out firing up the grill on Sunday morning. They need to be out mowing the grass on Sunday morning. They need to be out taking their walk. And they say, yep, there go the Smiths. They're going to church today. Your car's backing out of the driveway. You set it like a clock. Come on, don't look at me like that today. They know at 9.30, you're backing out, partner. You know at 9.30, come hell or high water, come rain or snow. Come on, don't look at me funny. Come sleep, come cold or hot. That car's coming out of that garage. They're driving down that street. They're going to go worship their God. And someday, some crisis is going to happen in that house across the street. And they're not going to Go ask the Sunday morning lawnmower or the Sunday morning dog walker or the Sunday morning car washer. They're going to come knock on the door of the Sunday morning God worshiper and say, we got a problem in this house. I never met you, but I've been watching you. There's something that you honor. There's something that you delight in. I need something the world can't give me. Would you come pray for this house over here? You see, it's a matter of honor. It's a matter of delight. Oh, I know you can get yours somewhere. You know, I, I, I know I can stay home. Now listen, come on. I, I love you folks watching right now. Because some of you were ill. Some of you have had COVID. Some of you have fight COVID. And, and, and some people, have, you know, you, you've turned on. Thank God we can get together like this. But you know there's a whole lot of people right now. You get up and go to work, get up and go to the gym, get up and go here, get up and go there. Sunday, well, I'm tired. Well, don't do so much stupid stuff on Saturday. You won't be tired on Sunday morning. If I was out breaking it down to 3 a.m., I'd be hard to get up on Sunday morning. I was so stressed out and couldn't find any peace and go to sleep, have to lay in bed and stay online till 4 a.m., I couldn't get up either. But Psalm says, great is the peace of those who know the Lord. Sleep is the reward of those. So anyway, I'm going to say it for all the pastors in America right now. You quote me, God. You play it at your church next week, all right? But you see, the, the important thing, listen to me. Satan has constantly, he constantly seeks to isolate and separate. It's, it's his plan. He, he wants to uh, scatter the church. Because, see, a church scattered will never have the impact of a church gathering. A church scattered will never make a statement to the community. Don't you know the devil would love every church in America to be empty every Sunday morning? Don't you know his greatest victory would be nobody got up and came to worship? Nobody said, I'm going to enter the house of God, I'm going to worship him, I'm going to honor him, I'm going to delight in the Lord. The thing that concerns me, and I'll just be honest, is because I'm not going to use guilt or fear. You know, I'm not going to tell you if you don't come to church, the devil's going to get you. I'm not going to tell you, you don't come to church, you don't love God. I'm not going to manipulate. I'm not going to use guilt. Those things don't work. I just want to find some people who are delighted to gather in the presence of God, who love Him and love His presence, who love the family of God. <clears throat> you see, if the church is going to have an identity in this culture, we need to be visible. Is anybody with me? The Bible says we are salt and we are light. It says that if the city is up on the hill where you can see where they are, you don't put a basket over the candle. You let it shine. Come on. So everybody can see it. See, this is a noble, holy gathering here today. We've come to honor God. We delight ourselves in the Lord. And you know what happens? The presence of God meets us in this place because we have gathered here. You see, the body is not, uh, is not scattered and hidden we're connected and we're visible. You know, you didn't do as you please today. See, he said, the issue is about worshiping, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please. See, there's sometimes I found out in my life, I, I can't just do what I please. I need to please God. I can't just do what's easy for me. I need to do what's right for me. Let me help you. I'm going to give you two minutes of, and, and, and then we'll move on. There was a day in America where Sunday was honored and hallowed by this whole nation. I want you to listen to me. You couldn't buy alcohol on Sunday. <laughs> you you couldn't shop many places on Sunday. They'd never have a youth baseball game or basketball game or football game on Sunday. On Saturday night, Saturday night was getting ready for Sunday morning. Polish the kids' shoes. Lay out their clothes. Get everything ready. You know why? Because Sunday we're going to be honored by God. And when the church stopped honoring the gathering and the worship of God, the world stopped honoring it. You, you I mean, it was just an honorable day. It was a day where, where even the ungodly would honor the day set apart to recognize we're one nation under God. It hasn't been that the devil is more the devil and that his power has gotten greater. It's the result of that the church has gotten quieter and less visible and less present and less few influential. And I believe if the church would regain the delight to come worship God. If the church would regain the ability to honor him, whether it's easy or not easy, whether it's windy or not windy, whether it's rainy or not rainy, whether it is is comfortable or not comfortable, we would begin to see the influence of the presence of God come back in this place. Look at verse 14. What happens? See, go to verse 14. I've got to go. I've got to to wrap. It says, then, then, not before, but then, Then you'll find your joy in the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. I believe what's happened is that we don't look any happier than the world looks. We don't walk in on Monday morning feeling any better than anybody else does in the place. I know I'm meddling preaching today, but you know, every once in a while, somebody's got to meddle. Somebody's got to get off the platform and come step on some toes and, and just say, Are you listening to me right now? Are you getting this right now? Is it sinking in right now? He says, then you're going to find your joy. I believe one of the greatest testimonies to this world is a joyful church. A church where you walk in and people aren't there because they have to. People aren't there because they're scared if they don't. People aren't there because the pastor guilted them in it. People aren't there because it's a ritual. They are there because they said, God, I've waited all week to get together with the family, to honor you, to delight in your presence, to come and see." To say you are my God. Then he says the joy of the Lord comes. And you go into work on Monday morning. This is the day. This is the day. And they say this isn't, and I love it. I have people tell me all the time, this is work. It's not church. Oh, yes it is baby. Because I got church seven days a week, 24 hours a day. This is the day the Lord has made. On Monday it's the Lord's day. On Tuesday it's the Lord's day. On Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday on Saturday, it's the Lord's day. You know why? Because we honored Him. We delighted in Him and His Joy goes with us. You know, there's some marriages that are struggling. I listen, I'm not this is, that are struggling right now because you don't have any joy. And you're looking at your spouse, wondering why you're so unhappy. And they're looking side eye at you, wondering why they're so unhappy. And the issue is they're never going to give you joy. Only the Lord can give you joy. And if you come in here and your marriage gets a joy shot, (laughs) vaccination, you know, you need to get some inoculation against all the depression and fear that's out there. And the joy of the Lord will do something for you. Your husband will look better. Your wife will look better. Your children will even act better. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. My testimony is better. But I want you to look at this. He says, then you'll find your joy. I pray God brings joy back in the house of God. Celebration back in the house of God. Joy on your Mondays and your Wednesdays and your Fridays. Just the joy of the Lord. Why? Because you know what? I didn't do as I pleased. I pleased Him. I didn't base everything off me and what was convenient. I based it off of what was right before my God. There's some honor and dignity in my life. There's some purpose and commitment in my life. And my family and my neighbors and the people I work with know that. Not because I told them, because I lived it out in front of them. And they know on Monday morning when you walk in, some joy is coming in the house. huh? Some, some smiles are coming in the house. Some hope and faith are coming in that. You know, somebody needs to walk on your In the marketplace tomorrow, somebody needs to go out there where where you live more time, much more than here. And they need to know if he comes to work, if she comes to work, some Jesus is coming in this room. They may not celebrate you openly, but I'm going to tell you, when COVID starts ripping through that place, they're going to be glad a woman of God standing between there, you know, raising a standard for the things of the Lord. Yeah, it works. It still works. His word still works. Then you'll find your joy in the Lord, and I'll cause you to ride on the heights of the land and feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Let me just give you the short thing here. Verses, if we have time, I'd love for you to, you should read out of Genesis 28 and Genesis 32. Let me just give you the synopsis. What does it mean? As the final thing he says before he says, the mouth of the Lord is spoken. The final promise of this great chosen fast you're going to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. You remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. You know, Abraham was the altar builder. He was a man God stooped low to make great. He chose him in Ur of the Chaldeans and said he found him halfway to his promise and stopped in the, in the city of Haran. And he says, if you'll leave your daddy, if you'll get out of... Things that are traditional and limiting. If you'll break out of that, leave your father's house. See, there are a lot of things that are causing disruption in the church because we haven't put God above our traditions and our family connections and our, and, and our systems that are dividing us. When, when, when way back early in Genesis 12, the Lord says, if you're willing to let go of some things, I'm going to do some things in your life. He said, so you let go of it. He said, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your name great. Listen to me. So Abraham began to journey, and he built altars along the way, honoring God, seeking God, growing. You know, when he was 100 years old, he received the promise of his boy, Isaac. And Isaac inherited the blessing of his father. We watch his journey in Genesis, and Isaac not only knew the altars of his father, but Isaac began to dig some wells. Because he said, I'm going to stay in this land. I'm going to occupy the promise of God. God gave my father the promise and he was a man of the altar and a man of sacrifice. I'm going to live on what I inherited. Anybody with me here? I'm going to make this mine. I, I'm not just going to go to church. I'm going to live the life. I'm not just going to go through the routine. I'm going to worship God. And he dug some wells and, and dug deep and began to tap into God. And then they had this, he had a son named Jacob. And, and, and Jacob was rightly named. Jacob literally means, you, you, you know, Jacob was the younger. <laughs> uh, and, and, and when his brother was born, he, 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 he reached out and grabbed his heel. And they named him Jacob. It means the one who grabs or tricks or deceives. He stole his brother Esau's blessing, his birthright, then his blessing. And his brother Esau said, when my father, his father died, he said, after the morning, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. And Jacob runs back to, his, uh, back to the Chaldeans, of Mesopotamia, and he finds a wife there, and he found two wives there. And uh, that's another story. And it didn't work out, by the way. All you men had just thought, mm-hmm, no. (laughs) It didn't work out. Everybody listen to me. It didn't work out. Okay. I know you're a big bad boy, but it's not going to work out. I know you're Marty Macho. I understand all that, but it's not going to work out. All right. So listen to me. So Jacob finally flees from his father-in-law. And on his way back, he's confronted by his brother Esau. So he's got a mad father-in-law behind him and a brother in front of him who said, I'm going to kill you next time I see you. So all of his life, now he says there's some kind of blessing here. <laughs> he got what he got. Listen to me. By lying, deceiving, trickery, manipulation. He never trusted God. He never waited on the blessing. He never was willing to let God do it his way. Are you listening to me today? He never hung in there. He never lasted. He always did it his way. He looked like everything was okay. He's the grandson. The blessing is his. The promise is his. The land will be his. The goodness will be his. Where his grandfather built the altars and his daddy dug the wells, that's his stuff. But we find him way over here out of the will of God because he won't surrender to God. He won't let God have his way. He keeps running the show. And finally, excuse me, in Genesis 32, he's trapped. Laban, the father-in-law, behind him. He can't go back. He saw the mad brothers in front of him. And he's going to meet him the next day. And he sends everything off in front of him. And for the first time in his life, he's alone by himself. And the angel of the Lord comes and pays him a visit. And the Bible literally said they wrestled through the night. And Jacob won't let go of him. There's going to come a time in your life, sir and ma'am, if you're going to find the blessings of Isaiah 58 and the blessing of Jacob, you're going to have to get along with God. Close enough for him to touch you. Where he's going to grab hold of you. Or you're going to grab hold of God. And the reality of that night was not that Jacob out-wrestled God. You can't beat God. Jacob didn't have God in a half Nelson, you know, counting off three. Jacob was wrestling with Jacob. Jacob was coming to the end of Jacob. And finally, when the sun was coming up, The heavenly visitor said, you got to let me go. And old Jacob had learned something during the night of wrestling with himself. He said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I'm not going to do it myself anymore. I'm not going to lie anymore, deceive anymore, trick anymore. I'm going to stop going through the motions. I'm going to stop making everybody at church think I'm all that. I'm gonna stop looking over my shoulder. I'm gonna stop playing the game. I'm gonna stop lying. I'm gonna stop keeping two sets of friends. I'm gonna stop manipulating. I've gotten along with God and I'm not letting go until who I've been lays itself down and who I'm supposed to be is put on me in this moment. And the angel said, all right, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to rename you because your reputation is liar, deceiver, manipulator, con artist. But I'm going to name you not Jacob, but Israel, a prince among men, somebody who wrestled with God. And so the angel touched his hip and he left him. The next morning, Jacob was limping a little bit. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you got to be willing to get less in the natural to get a little more in the spirit. Sometimes you may need to let go of some stuff you've been holding on to because God's going to let you walk a new walk. You're going to go a new way. You've got a new identity. See, the blessing came in the breaking. The blessing came in the breaking. I want you to stand with me. I want the worship team to come. Listen, 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 listen. Today, God wants to put a mark on you. God wants to put a mark on you. Are you listening to me? God wants to touch you. God wants to give you an identity. God wants to give you the blessing of Jacob. God wants to say, if you're willing to encounter me, everybody listening? (laughs) If you're willing to stay put this time, If you're willing to stop running and shifting and hiding and and, and manipulating and you're willing just to... See, see, why did God wrestle with him? Well, he had to get close enough to touch him. (laughs) There needs to be some wrestling moments in our lives where God is with us. See, the fact that God met him after all the life he had lived meant that God had never given up on him. Some of you listening to me, I feel this so strong now in line. You have hidden your, or excused your unwillingness to serve God by saying, it's too late. you hear me? I would have served Him, but I've waited too long. I would have served God, but my chance has come and gone. It's too late. If it wasn't too late for me, Jacob, it's not too late for you today. Amen. If God didn't have a plan for you, you wouldn't hear me right now. You wouldn't be in the wrestle right now. And right now what's going on is, listen to me, it's not you and me. <laughs> now it's you and God. In fact, you've been wrestling with this words. Some folks have been wrestling with this thing today. And I'm going to tell you, God wants to put his hand on you today. And God wants us to walk differently today. He wants you to walk out of here. There's those times when, and and, and that's what this chosen fast has been. It's what tonight and these Sunday nights and today, what is it? It's where we're saying, you know, I I, I could be doing something else. But I want to find out what God has for me. You know, it's it's the what ifs. What if I really sought Him with all my heart? What if something really changed in me? What if for the first time in my life, instead of trusting me, I trusted God? What if I quit going to church and started going to God? I just came to Him. I want to encourage you right now. God wants to bless you. God wants to give His church the blessing of Jacob, the reward of Jacob. We've got to pass over from who we were.